Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to John Miles, CEO of the New Zealand Marketing Association. Just a note, this is recorded from lockdown, so uh, apologies in advance for any uh, sound issues. But I'm really excited about this conversation because apart from a minor lapse in judgment back in 2013 when they had me on a board, the NZMA has long done fantastic work for our industry. And John's led a real transformation of the association's brand with a clear purpose of we help marketers be brilliant into one of the most progressive professional associations in New Zealand. This has seen their advocacy rating more than double from 36 in 2019 to 74 in 2021. John's marketing career began in FMCG and breweries, followed by hard yards in advertising and brand development agencies. For the last 15 years, he's been managing organizations and been heavily involved in education, meeting market needs, and creating and implementing new products. His expertise encompasses all aspects of business development, branding and marketing, as well as financial management and maximizing revenues. So with all that said, welcome to the show, John. Oh, thank you very much, Ben. That all sounds a bit flash when you read it out like that. So uh, thank you very much. That's a pretty impressive background. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, it's, uh, I think I always tell marketers that we've got the best best career in the uh, in the world. I mean, who gets to do the sort of shit we get to do, you know? It's Quite a, right. uh, you know, gets to, you know, I've put rock bands on the road. I've created, helped, you know, thousands of young people into education and uh, just basically, you know, you just get to do things as a marketing career and in marketing that you just don't get to do in other roles. So, so, tell, so tell me why... Why is marketing important to business in general? Well, marketing, marketing as a whole, it's it's about understanding the customer, and it's a really basic premise. If you understand your customer well, you've got a much better uh, chance of selling to them, and you've got a much better chance of them uh, taking notice of what you do, and you've got a much better chance of um, innovating and creating a uh, product that might uh, meet their needs and sometimes you know customers don't even know they are there those uh, are their needs and there's you know there's lots of examples of that from tesla and apple and things things like that where but the people who designed them had a had a sense of understanding of their market that they probably would like them so you know marketing is really all about understanding customer and then sort of saying, well, actually, what do they want? And then for you going, well, actually, what have I got that they might want? Or how do I adapt what I have to um, to meet their needs? And I, I, I always love to give the example of the Perspex uh, trophy maker in first lockdown. You know, strange as it may seem, in the lockdown, there wasn't a high need for Perspex trophies. Amazing. So what he did was he understood, looked at the market, saw where there were customer needs, and he started producing uh, Perspex screens for um, supermarkets mm-hmm. to protect the uh, to protect all the operators there. 
and um, obviously did very well with it. So that's all about understanding customers, understanding, hey, it's a product. I do this product. How can I adapt that to uh, still stay in business? But a lot, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, um, lots of people wouldn't see as marketing. So you're talking about understanding customer needs and meeting those needs. Lots of people would, would you know, talk about marketing as as communications. So can you talk to me a little bit about your your definition of marketing? Well, I mean, it's a, it's, I think it was one of the questions you asked me before, Ben, about the myths of advertising, you know, the whole colouring in department. Mm. You know, people say, oh, I'll do some marketing. What they actually mean is advertising. Yes. Um, or they look at it and they say, oh, digital, you know, um, and digital will solve all my problems. Or, you know, they say about brand and they think the brand is what their logo happens to be. But marketing is all encompassing and it touches every part of the business. Because, you know, right back in the early 60s when the four Ps of marketing were first created, the, the whole premise of what they were created on is still, is still highly pertinent and in, I would argue incredibly pertinent for any company today. And that is getting your product right, which is the first P, and then saying, hey, how am I going to price it? What's my pricing strategy? The next one is placement, which is all about distribution. Should I be online? Should I be in a retail store? Should I be selling it face-to-face? Then it comes to the fourth P, which is promotion, which most small business and many people who don't understand marketing actually just think is the marketing part, is the promotion, and they forget about the other three Ps. I had a highly prominent um, uh, minister who uh, happens to be a leader of one of the um, one of the political parties um, actually asked me what marketing was, and their perception of marketing was exactly that. It was all around the promotion. And, you know, I think one of the concerns, um, like with what the government is doing, you know, the whole um, digital initiative that they've had has been absolutely fabulous in terms of helping companies do the web. I mean, I, I use some of their resource to help me. Uh, I had a, uh, a, I'm helping a, uh, a young Nigerian artist. And so I've built a whole um, website for her. But I went on there, had a look at what they recommended. But the problem with that is they don't help all of these small businesses with getting their thinking right up front because if you know at this you know if you've if you haven't got your thinking right and you go digital if you've got a bad product at a bad price selling it in the wrong way uh, going digital is not going to help and i always say if you've got a dog of a product and you go digital you've got a digital dog of a product yeah i think it was I think it was one of the DDB founders, Bill Burnback, who said you can only sell a bad product once. That's correct. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So we need to get clearer then on the definition of marketing. What, what can marketers do at the C-suite table to make sure that the value they can bring is really understood? I think the, the thing at the C-suite table really is about un- the understanding of the customer. And they're going, you know, the the thing that marketers really have to do when they're at the C-suite table presenting to boards is to know everything inside out and to, under, you know, to really get those customer insights so, so people can have the confidence 
that the recommendations they're putting forward is based on data and based on understanding, based on question, you know, questions that have been asked. And the the worst thing that you can do is go to a C-suite table and say, hey, look, we want to do this with a brand, this, this, and this. And a, an accountant or someone in operations go, oh, that sounds really great. What are you basing that on? Mm-hmm. And that's really what marketers have to do. And, you know, I did a um, keynote presentation to university marketers a number of years ago where I um, said to them, I put the premise to them that they'd lost three of the um, three of the uh, P's of marketing in their role, which was product, price, and placement, yes. and replaced them with two P's, which were um, uh, policy, sorry, policing and policy. And um, <laughs> that basically all they were they, was that they were a promotion agency and, uh, and they'd become the brand police with lots of, um, lots of policies in behind about how to use a university brand. And the the way that I said that they could um, overcome this was to actually become the experts on uh, academics products. So understand the industry, say if it was engineering or pharmacy, understand the whole pharmacy industry, what's happening, where is it going, what are the customer needs, where are the gaps in the market, all of those. So they became as knowledgeable, if not more knowledgeable, on market trends so they say so they could be taken seriously. I remember my, my first job in the industry was as an account exec at TBWA in London on the the Nissan account. And I, they, I my, did my, Nissan. Did you? <laughs> I did what Nissan in New Zealand. Jesus. <laughs> well, my, my account director, I remember, said to me on my very first day, he, he said, he was quite blunt, he said, look, you've got no value to add the client right now. So in order to do that, you need to read every single one of their manuals and you need to understand their products better than they do so yep. that you can help them understand the market. And so I think that's it's really interesting. That, that's some really good advice for marketers because, you know, you do have CMOs have the highest turnover, don't they, in the C-suite here and overseas. Yep. So we've got yep. to do something about that. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, not having that knowledge and the understanding because marketers in some organisations aren't, um, you know, don't really get the kudos that they should. They mm. have to be better prepared so they can be taken seriously. And you know, when you look at boards, there was a Forbes study in the USA, 60,000 board members were um, interviewed. Only 4% of them had had a um, marketing role in a previous life. And um, the interesting thing was was that the when they um, did the research on how did those companies go in bad times, the boards who had that four percent of marketers performed better than any of the other companies. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's because marketers can be seen as a bit tactical and short-termist, whereas you know board governance is all about long-term strategy. Well, and in fact, that's the exact opposite of what a good marketer is, because a good marketer is looking to the future. And the question I always ask, and I, you know, I still do a, a few things here and there just as a, to keep my brain um, active other than just marketing association, is if we did the best job ever 
on whatever we're working on, what's it going to look like in five years, three years, one year? You know, because then then you've got an endpoint from which to work back from in terms of developing your strategy. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. Look, let's let's start. Let's go back to basics. What would you yeah. say are um, top tips for someone to think about when looking at marketing activity? So, if if I'm a business owner thinking about my marketing, what should be some key things I need to bear in mind? Well, the number one is is what I mentioned before: understanding the customer. Mm. or your potential customer and you know really getting an understanding of um what do they want and where do they come from and it's it's initiating conversations and sometimes i think we'd be surprised at the number of business owners or ceos we say how many customers did you talk to this week and they go well i was meant to talk to a customer you know, um, and it's really that's where it all starts from, because then you can start. And I've done a lot of work um, in product innovation, and it's around identifying needs, needs or possible wants that companies have, and starting to develop from there. So, and the other thing is, is that working with your team. And working, you know, with all your stakeholders and, and talking to them about challenges and, and things that you have. Because, you know, the other the other thing, with, the great thing with marketers is, um, in marketing, sorry, is that good ideas come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. It may be that, um, you know, I've borrowed from um, uh, other industries quite often in, in uh, programs I've developed. And a really good example of that um, Back, I worked with the Bay of Plenty Polytech for five years mm-hmm. when I was living in Mount Monganui. And um, we, one of the things that I borrowed from was that we, as a, as a polytech, um, we, um, people sort of say, well, what's your point of difference? You know, and I had to look at it and um, went, well, you know, most of our courses are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a nice campus, but it's got quite a few prefabs on, relocatables. We've got great staff, but everyone says that. We've got good teaching, everyone says that. So what's yep. actually our point of difference? So our point of difference was that we had 30 kilometres of uh, White Sand Beach and that um, we had very parochial locals, <laughs> you know, local people who were very yeah. proud. So I developed a campaign. I got this wonderful photographer. Michael Pohl, who you might know. I mean, Michael's absolutely fabulous. I couldn't afford him, so I did a deal with him where he took the um, international rights to the photos for libraries overseas, and we kept them for New Zealand. Oh, nice one. And um, we, um, we took a tourism approach to education. Mm. And all of, all of our imagery and everything were, um, was all like a, out, of a tourist, out of a tourist thing. You know, I had... Um, you know, and it was all just there was never really a lot of education and things in there, really. And the and the headline were locals study here, and then oh, then we got yeah, really no. adventurous and went locals study mechanics here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting, actually. Was, so, so just to, give you, just to give you an idea, with that campaign, and we did a lot of innovative things behind the scenes with it. You know, creating summer schools, teacher doing PD days for teachers, but we lifted the um, 
the percentage share of high school leavers there coming to that place by about, I think it was 8% or 10%. And we were, at the time, we were the only Polytech in New Zealand that had five years of surpluses, and we won all sorts of awards all over. I got invited all around the world to go and speak on it because it was so different. And, and so, so because the, the assumption usually for business people is, I need to look at what my competitors are doing, and I need to. That's what we need to do. That's the norm. So it's yeah. interesting that you 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 say that. So do you advise marketers and business people to be looking at other categories all the time as well? I think you scan everything. I mean, um, one of the um, <clears throat> one of the things that um, I suppose I've always done is that people have always accused me of being a nosy bastard. <laughs> and um, you know, it's it's one of those things that you you never know where inspiration will come from. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter if you understand your um, your product or you understand you know your customers, you might be reading something or looking at some uh, newspaper article, say from UK or US, and you go, "Wow, that was a great idea. What if I wonder? Hey, I reckon I could do this and this." With, with my particular brand. So yeah. it's what I said before, you never know where a good idea might come from. So it's about having your, having your radar on and, and your eyes open, I suppose. Yeah, and, and also, you know, if, you've, if you come across someone who's successful in another industry, find out from them what, you know, what did you do that was really successful? How did you do that? Well, you know, what were the things that you did? And lo and behold, there might be something you can apply to your business. Well, that, and that's one of the great things about New Zealand, isn't it, is we're, we're small enough that you can get in touch with someone on LinkedIn. I mean, you, you know, you and I have, and here you are. So, yeah. you know, people people are usually up for a, for a coffee and a chat. Oh, of course, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, and the, the, the good thing also, when you're from another industry, you're a non-competitor to that person. So, mm-hmm. therefore, they're, they're usually more open with you. I, I used to do marketing for a health insurer here, and we we were launching a um, set of products focused on the um, on the Chinese market. Yeah, and we met with a power company who had done it really well and saved us from making so many mistakes. It was really helpful, yeah. and just as you say, because we weren't competitive, they were they were really helpful and really open. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a really good thing if you're wanting to develop your business. Have a look at people who are successful in other categories. What have they done that that's really cool? And, you know, and, you know, in some of those times you can go, gee, I wish I'd done that. And, in fact, you could. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, that's a good yeah. call. Um, John, over the years, um, mm-hmm. I, I assume that you've had um, outsourced and in-house teams and experience. Yep. What mm-hmm. have you um, worked out over the years works for both? When, when should uh, a business in-house and when should they outsource? It really, it, it you know, I don't think there's a simple answer to that. Um, like when I was at the Bay of Plenty Polytech, I created my own little in-house agency mm. um, that did everything. Now, the reason for that was quite simple. We were producing that many publications like, you know, gosh, it was a crazy number, over 300. Wow. Um, well, by the time you did all the separate things for all the different education departments, annual reports, mm. newsletter, you know, the tourism w- would want to do an added advertorial, um, et cetera, et cetera. The, the cost of outsourcing that 
We just simply didn't have the money. So I looked at our overall budget and worked out that I could get an extra graphic designer and an extra web person for the same amount of money as what I they'd been spending with agencies. Yeah. So, and therefore, and I had a fairly, being I had an agency background, I had a very clear idea of what the strategy needed to be yeah. in terms of um, where we we're going. So I could, I could oversee the creative direction mm-hmm. on it. So it, it really depends um, on the company. The other thing is as well is that, you know, at the same time, the um, if the expertise isn't internal, I mean, the Polytech got lucky that I had that expertise. Mm. Um, but if you're a company that's getting to a size where you can afford externals, it's a really good idea because you're getting an external view on um, on your business, might see things that you don't otherwise see. And, you know, it's the, I always use, you know, people ask me about education, why, why should we educate? And I always say to them, it's because you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And it's the same with using some of these external consultants who might come in and, um, and help uh, a particular business. Um, they... Um, they see things that you don't because it's not it's not on your radar or it's not in your skill set to do that. And um, I just helped. I'm on an advisory board for a, a little company called Brand IQ, which has just started up. And you know, I they'd done a, they'd prepared a pitch, which I advised them on. And um, you know, the thing that they'd missed was was one particular part, and the company had missed it. And I was saying, hey, this is the whole program that I believe you need to put in place that will make a difference because that's your source of business. So that's the the beauty of an external, can come in with a fresh set of eyes and um, be able to provide skills that you otherwise won't be able to do internally. So it's really, really you know, when you look at, say, some of the really big companies, um, I think a number of them are bringing in house a number of services, but they still use that external expertise on particular key key facets of their business. It seems more common to outsource when it comes to creative. So, do you think that's because people, you know, they don't want institutionalized people giving them that the, that thinking? Well, again, it come comes back to you know needs, the needs mm. of the of the particular company. So, um, you know, when you've got someone who all they do is work on creative and problem solving for lots of different companies, the the potential of having a um, a groundbreaking idea is probably greater from them because you know internally you you often get um, so wedded to your product and and or, you know too close to it almost. And um, that that's a, that's a, a key sort of um, problem, really. And, you know, therefore, that limits your creativity. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. And you were talking about bigger companies. What, what do yep. bigger companies know that smaller companies don't when it comes to marketing or vice versa? I think one of the um, one of the big things there is they have the ability to um, drive process. And, you know, especially when it comes to things like CRM, digital, some of those sorts of areas of being able to put processes in place 
that will garner better insights and things for them and of working their working their um, particular you know developing their marketing plans. Yeah. One of the problems you know for smaller companies is just simply not having the resource or the time to do a lot of things that they would like to do. And because a big company have the resource and really you know the the primary difference is resource of course, they can um they can do a lot of these things that small companies can't do. The other the other thing they can do is uh, access um, external advice. Um, and again, I think there are cost effective ways for small businesses to do that. When some of those are getting together on, um, you know, just meeting up with other success, other business owners and in different industries and that sort of thing, you know, where they can actually learn from them. <clears throat> but I think one of the big differences for a bigger company to a smaller company is that um, they can afford failure. And yes, whereas yeah. a small company, they can't. So therefore, a smaller company, whilst, you know, we see all these great examples of, you know, fantastic entrepreneurs and what they're doing and, and things, they're actually more risk averse because there's a lot more on the line. Whereas yeah. with big companies, they can trial, you know, the old "hey, fail quickly" sort of um, routine. It's much yeah, easier yeah. to do in a in a big company than it is um, as a small company. John, John, this has been a really interesting discussion. Thank you. Um, I think there's there's been lots for uh, for people to learn from. If people want to learn more about the marketing association and you know get upskilled, where should yep. they go? Well, I mean, if you come to our uh, website, marketing.org.nz. We, um, we introduced professional certifications last year. If they're a small business and they're really just wanting to get to know marketing, we have three professional certifications. One of those um, certifications is uh, in core skills. So the person will go in and do um, how to write a marketing plan in the, um, in the marketing boot camp. They'll come in and do essentials of digital. They'll learn about social uh, media. They'll learn about content marketing. And they'll learn how to copyright or how to write. Thanks. And um, then at the end of all that, they they actually do a work-based project so they can become professionally certified and also get a university qualification, a micro-credential from the uh, University of um, Canterbury. So, um, you know, those are those really, you know, that's a great starting point. And they just they go on our website and look under um, uh, training. They'll find out all the details about that. Um, we're a very friendly bunch here. Um, very passionate, very passionate about what we do. And we were very proud of the fact in their latest membership survey that the one word that our members um, labeled us as the most was was being a passionate organisation. And in fact, 75% of them said that. And TRA, TRA told me we're now the benchmark for New Zealand industry in terms of you be, being um, re referred to with that word. So that was Fantastic. that was very, um, that was lovely that that, that occurred. So That yeah. is awesome. That's awesome. So John, just to end our time today, what would be the single piece or few pieces of advice that you'd give to our listeners that they could go in action tomorrow? Well, the first one is I've, I've you know, harped on about is understanding your customer, asking lots of questions and things. But 
the big one that I the reason that at the marketing association I believe you know we've done very well in the last two years it's about looking after your team mm-hmm. and it's one of the things that um, Richard Branson always preaches is that team come you know your internal team comes first and always look after them always encourage you know um, get to know all your team um, motivate them. And, you know, they'll just, you know, they go the extra mile. All of my team go the extra mile. They're they're absolutely fabulous. So really, you know, the big tip is, hey, look after your team first, you know, use them, and they know a lot more than often you'll realise. And I think just think that's incredibly important. And the last thing I'd say is don't be afraid to give things a go. And, um, you know, hey, Give it a go, see how it goes, and you never know if you've got passion and enthusiasm in behind you, you never know what the result might be. Absolutely brilliant. What a great way to end the podcast. Thanks for your time, John. Really appreciate <laughs> That's it. That's all right. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.